You're listening to Voices of Value, a selection of valuable insights designed to help you get more out of your professional and personal life through simple and easy-to-adopt life lessons. If you're keen to enjoy a better quality of life at work and at home, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton. Welcome to episode 23, Voices of Value, Peter Kakos here, and all the way from sunny Launceston, Ricky Rushton. So you're manning the studio, is that what I'm hearing? That's what you're hearing, and I've got to say, this is commitment, Rick, isn't it? Our commitment to ensure that we bring the very best of Voices of Value every week, uh, even when we're on different sides of uh, Bass Strait. And not only that, we've been travelling together you know, up the east coast of Australia and I was in Perth yesterday, so we've been moving around, getting a lot of feedback about how people are just really stepping into 2019 and being the best they can be. Yeah, absolutely, Rick, and it's, uh, it's wonderful to when you start the year off and you get a bit of a sense of what the, the general feeling is out and in and around certain parts of Australia. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's challenging times for a lot of people, but one thing's really clear is... I think there's a lot of real positive uh, expectation, which is great. And I think one thing, first and foremost, that you need to be taken into any year, and it's clear that that is happening in certain areas, is, is energy. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the number one message I heard, East Coast, West Coast, and even here in Tassie today. It's been an absolute belief that you know, energy is absolutely everything when it comes to sort of tackling any task, no matter what your role is. I don't care what your profession is. If you can't arrive with energy, it's not going to be a great vocation for you, no matter what your industry. Absolutely. So today, I thought it'd be great to just to capture for yourself and I to, to really share some of the, the, the key learnings that that, that we're picking up and, and hearing uh, in our travel, as well as the messages that we're, uh, that we're sharing uh, along the way also. So I want to start, Rick, and, and just to say how important it is well and truly to, to really get clear. Uh, if I want to get one message out first and foremost today, and that is to definitely seek some clarity in terms of where you want to go in 2019, what do you want the year to look like, what do you really want to be celebrating come um, come Christmas time, Nick, this year? Yeah, I think what you said is what you get, Pete. So if we don't actually have that end destination in play, we've got realistically no way of knowing if we're on track or off track. And I think you – I really loved uh, the message you shared last week in Sydney where you talked about the line in the sand moment. And I think most of us get there at some point throughout our careers, but I think this is a great year for that metaphor to play. Maybe just expand on that for our listeners. Yeah, I, I think – a lot of us sit in a in a, uh, in a training room or listening to seminars or podcasts or whatever it may be, and it, it all sounds great. It sort of fuels us for, uh, gives us you know that that little shot in the arm uh, for a period of time. At some point, though, you've got to draw that line in the sand and say, no, this is it. This this is when change happens. Uh, this is the moment. I'm really clear on it, and this is what I need to do. So it's about making today the day. And if I actually, if we, I think if we went back to one of our first podcasts, we spoke about that, uh, making today the day. So it's really about what are you going to implement, okay? And it starts with a decision, and then it's about what am I going to implement? And I think that gets then into building a habit, how are you going to build that habit? So it's about doing something each day, every day. Pick it. Pick what it is. And then just start to do it. Don't think about it too much. Just do it. And that was the other message I heard a lot from some pretty elite operators was just the key word was discipline. 
disciplines, that sort of bridge that will take you from where you are today to where you want to get to throughout the year, whether that be financially, whether that be in terms of your personal health, whether that be in relationships. You don't have the discipline to, you know, every discipline that you go work on is going to go to work on you. And so I think one of the things I really saw when you really did share some great gems, you were sort of, it was really powerful talk. And I just remembered, you know, the key takeaways for me were that line in the sand moment where we've just got to go, you know what? You just step in, just take the first step and, and plunge. It's like the kid at the top of the slide. That was another good sort of image you, you sort of posted, the top of the water slide. It's like, you know, the scariest part is just taking the leap in. Once you're in, you're, you, you're sort of in the flow of it and you're down the slide. And I think it's just that line in the sand, have the discipline to take the first step, and then as you get going, you can readjust along the way. But, uh, you know, pl- no plan is going to work if you don't work the plan. Yeah, exactly right. And it is, it's, it's time to well and truly get on purpose. One of the things that... And I'm, I'm, I'm sort of angling this towards uh, experienced, you know, agents, experienced business people. And it's really about how mature is your business. So I also spoke about business maturity. And that's, and that's the things that need to be done on a daily and weekly basis. So we know what we sort of, what we know what we sort of need to do. And this again gets us into knowing versus doing. And it's not about knowing, it's actually doing. So it's doing the things. Um, and knowing what to do and doing these things on a daily and weekly basis. But it's also the execution of these things. It's how well we are actually doing them. So this is a time to really just redefine the skills because if you're using, you know, dialogue from five or six years ago or strategies from, you know, even two or three years ago, it's time to adjust, really, you know, start to really tune in to 2019 selling. Well, this last week, Pete, I've been in um, a few states and a few different audiences, but, you know, the one thing across different industries, but the one thing that was really consistent, I asked every audience the simple question, who's got a smartphone? Answer everybody. Has has their smartphone given them a notice for an update in the last six to 12 months? Everybody put up their hand. So isn't that interesting? Our smartphone is updating it and getting more on purpose in 2019. Are we, though? You know, so yeah. our smartphone is getting upgraded, are uh, we? And that was kind of a, a consistent message I saw right across, you know, both the East Coast, West Coast and outside of real estate in other areas of, you know, other industries as well. So, mm. um, but I love some of the things that you were sharing in your talk about, you know, there's no better time to be in a market like the one we've got because this is the chance for you to really stand out and, you know, let your skills shine and stop being a, you know, facilitator in a real estate transaction and start being a catalyst. And, you know, when you talked about that business maturity and the things that you wanted to have done, and I, I, I always remember thinking back to any time time like this for me in the industry where uh, if I it wasn't knowing what to do it was actually just having the bloody discipline and getting on and doing it yeah yeah and you know be careful what you wish for and uh, and most of us wish for things to get a bit tougher which enables us to stand out not not too tough but but you know things to get more challenging especially in the in the real estate industry it's become you know I wouldn't say easy, but you know, um, it's a simple business, but it's not an easy business because you d- you do have to work hard. But navigating through the white water, I call this market right now in the real estate world the white water. This is the white water market. So I think we've been cruising down a really calm uh, river over the past sort of three to four years. We've now hit the white water. This is when you really need to arm yourself and be able to meticulously and strategize and work your way through um, an upskill in terms of how do you navigate your way through tougher markets, tougher times, ch- challenging times. 
Yeah, mate, can I just say, oh, like, this is staggering to me that I'm hearing these companies are saying, oh, we have to rein in the training expenditure, Rick, so we probably might not use you so much this year. It's because, crazy. Yeah, the market is changed. Oh, seriously? So you're saying that the market is setting a tougher test. We know that knowledge is the new price of admission in a tough market, and you're going to restrict your training. But what were you doing with the tons of profits you were making off what's been probably one of the biggest markets in recent memory where you know we had double digit growth for most you know, homeowners let alone most real estate operations what what happened there was that all just blown away was there nothing put away for a rainy day what what's the thinking out there i don't get it yeah it's a funny business principle isn't it it's um it's it's like make and then spend 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 it's one of the it's one of the challenges i think a lot of people face and and now it's coming home to roost in terms of you know how good a time you have had I mean, Rick, it's only been it's only been slightly tighter in, in, in a short amount of time, yet you know, people are feeling the pinch already, which uh, which tells me they probably haven't made the probably the smartest decisions. It's not for us to judge. However, however, you know, we, we see it all the time and you know, um and, and hear it all the time in terms of, gee, you know, things are tough. Well, is it? Is it really? Because uh, at the moment, the way I see it all across Australia is that there are people who want to buy homes. Now, things would be tough if there was no one that wanted to buy a home. Exactly. So exactly. that's my definition of a tough market. No one wants to buy a home. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Pete, my view is, is that production is going to happen across every market across Australasia. We know that. It's not a question of whether there'll be production. It's how much of that production do you want? And so when we hear on the East Coast how tough it's got, I'm thinking, like, we're, I was in Perth yesterday. There are some agents in Perth that if you bought a home from them, you know, seven, eight, not nine years ago, but seven or eight years ago, Pete, for, say, a million dollars, if you take it back to them seven or eight years later to sell, those agents are probably selling for, like, 9.30 now. So they've had no – they've had zero equity gain all the expenses of holding a property, yet those agents seem to find a way to transact. My view is, my considered view is, that I don't think the market softens as much as we soften in the market. And we've gone from being like maitre d's at restaurants, taking names and numbers, and uh, just saying, here you go, you can have anything you want on the menu as long as it's auction. Come back in 21 days, put your hand up, and if you got it up at the end, you dine. If you don't, you miss out, and, and good luck, go find another one. Well, now we actually have to do a little bit of work. I loved your one to five analogy, Pete. Can you just expand on that? Oh, yeah. I think um, that's that's the ratio that I like uh, that agents to look at. So for every appraisal should equal another five appraisals. For every listing should equal another five appraisals. So then you add, then you actually work out that ratio. Then it gets even even more juicy um, as it all adds up. So what I'm saying is, make the most of every opportunity you get. You got an opportunity to call into someone's house. Well, you've got the most recent, relevant, up to date data available. Why not share it? And why not make it easy for people to to get an update on their property? So you've got to let them know about it. So and it's likewise, when you've got a home and uh, that you're opening up for inspection and you're meeting, you know. 10, 15, 20, sometimes more buyers, depending on what part of Australia you're in. But you should be able to generate appraisals from this as well. Again, updates in the marketplace. So become broader in your thinking would be the message um, that that you know that, that I'd like to do, which I'm going to dovetail into something here, Rick. In the show notes, I want to put the link to a TED Talk that I just listened to uh, yesterday because I, I'm just a bit fascinated with productivity at the moment. Um uh, 
that, that's my thing for the week is uh, how do we actually – how do we produce more? And I think you and I have, have, have both at times put up sl- a slide saying 168 hours, okay? Basically, everyone's got 168 hours in a week. What happened here? Then, then you've got to – then you start to take off the time that you spend in certain – um, certain moments through the week. For example, 168 hours in a week, take off, say, 50 hours of work. Some people take off 40, some people take off 60, whatever it may be. But take off a relatively around about 50. Then take off, you know, you're sleeping seven or eight hours a night times by seven, take off another 56. All the routines, that's the going to the gym, you, know, you might go five times a week for an hour, there it is. Um, allow a sort of an hour each side, um, to get ready, whatever it may be. What I would love for everyone to do is, is start with 168 on your page and then start to then subtract everything that goes on in a week and see what you're left with. I think you'll be massively surprised in what you're left with. Wow, where does the time go? Well, there it is. Yeah, that's a world-class tip, Pete, because I remember, you know, when I was sort of, you know, going through my biggest growth phase, I was trying to be everything. I was trying to be the world's best parent, the world's best husband, the world's best real estate agent, the world's best speaker, really seeing the bar quite high. But what I was actually realizing very quickly was that it's very hard to do one thing well. It's almost impossible to do three things well. If you're going to really want to be world's best, you have to focus a lot of time and energy. And then I had to realize where I was actually not so much wasting time, but where time would just go through. You you, you just lose an hour in your day. So one of the things that you know, I was doing was every hour on the hour, I'd just stop and just make a reference point, just handwritten, what did I do that last hour? Yep. And you know, and, and then I'd sort of get really sort of analytical with it and I'd go, what did I do that previous half hour? And the amount of times I would waste on stuff and I just went, wow, that's amazing. So three great time management tips that, that I think work really, really well. And that's a great strategy to do what you just said, said there. But for me, Pete, I, I actually found if I just got up an hour earlier, well, th- well, there was an extra five hours of work I could actually do in a week without really affecting too much other than just me getting out of bed an hour earlier. Yep. So that's an easy thing to do. And then what I would then really look at doing is saying, if I only achieve these three things today, what would these three things be? That would be my absolute focus, and I would just smash those three things as quick as I could. Then what I saw was anything that was left was kind of where I could get creative, you know, where I could kind of, you know, invest that time in other areas. But I just think if you can, you know, get up, get going with your routine a little bit earlier, easy to do this time of the year across Australasia because it is clearly the warmer month still and we, you know, we're, we're still in summer and we're going to obviously head into autumn shortly. But, you know, it should be easy to get out of bed. It's not like it's the middle of June, July, freezing cold. Let's get up a little bit earlier, get going. I mean, yeah, without wanting to sort of, I'm no, I'm no hero, but like yesterday, I, I got up at four to fly out at six to then get back with the time swing with the three-hour difference between the West Coast, East Coast. But I got home uh, after landing in Melbourne at midnight, got home just before one o'clock, uh, got back to the airport today to get an early morning flight to, to Tasmania. You know what? I actually know what's going on because my time is really well managed. Mm-hmm. And I reckon we, as choice management, not so much time management, I, these are all choices I've made, but I'm very happy to do it. Now, you can't do that forever, but I just knew this week was coming a few weeks out. So I was prepared for it. I don't, yeah. I don't know whether or not we actually look that far ahead. But, but that's, a key, that's a key thing, Rick. Why, why did you get up at four in the morning? 
well, I knew why I was doing it. That's for sure. No, but but <laughs> you you had to go get a flight, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm always yeah. I'm always amazed by this because when you jump on a flight and you're on an early flight, a six o'clock flight or a seven o'clock flight, you you tend to get up that little bit earlier, allow travel time, get to the airport and so forth. There's a purpose, right? Yeah. So purpose, yeah. so my my point is is again from the from the outset I spoke about get some get clarity, get yep, some clarity yep. around what it is you really want. Set your day up right the night before. Then you can actually get up with some real purpose. Because otherwise, we end up to dri we drift. When we drift, things come up. They they draw our attention away, and all of a sudden, we end up. Then we get home. We go. You know what? Don't know really what I achieved today. There really wasn't anything there. And I, that's another thing I spoke of is is not having a to do list. Have a to, to achieve list. So what is it that you want to achieve? So you know, Paul McGee, you know, um, spoke to us about the pace of life. So you know, this pace of life will consume you. If you allow it to, therefore, you know, you will continue to drift unless you have purpose, unless you have clarity in terms of where you want to be. How many appointments do you want to have tomorrow? How many appraisals do you want to have by the end of the week? How many buyers do you want to show homes on a daily basis? How many thank you notes do you want to, you know, channeling Bob Wolf here, how many thank you notes do you want to write on a daily basis? These are the things that need to achieve. Then if you set that plan in place, then have patience and let itself unravel um, in front of you into something really delightful. Yeah, and I think you're saying patience, which is doesn't that's not a substitute for laziness. That's saying, yeah, do the work, do the disciplines, and yeah, it's not add water mix and there's an instant income. It's it's the the money will flow after the behaviours and the habits are in, ingrained, and I understand that. But I think you know the one that I absolutely love of yours was that 168 hours talking about it. You know what we know is is that. The beggar and the billionaire both get 168 hours in the week, so it's what they're doing with those hours that makes all the difference, isn't it? So it's not, it's not, it's not anything more than choice management around how you're going to use those 168 hours. So could you sleep an hour less, probably, or could you get up an hour earlier, probably? Could you do these things, probably? But if you don't, as you say, Pete, get on purpose, it's not going to happen. It won't happen by. Uh, I'll find the motivation to get up early. That's not going to work. You, you have to get per more purposeful than that. So I think I said to you just pre-recording, Pete, how you know that that six o'clock flight it was meant to be a Qantas flight. The Qantas flight got cancelled, and we'll put on the Jetstar flight. And the amount of people that were just bitching and moaning because they were you know shunted out of a Qantas flight into a Jetstar flight. Well, first of all, my thought is it's still a chair, isn't it? You're still 33,000 feet up in the air. So one of the things you should be doing if you're doing that is like a kid on a roller coaster going, how lucky am I that I don't have to run from Melbourne to Perth, right? So get some excitement around that. All it did was because there's no you know onboard entertainment, I just grabbed my headset, listened to a, a Jim Rohn Audible, and here's a good time management tip. I don't know um, if our listeners love the Audible sort of books as much as I do because I just absolutely smash out an Audible book sort of every second or third day. But I was listening to, you know, the complete works of Jim Rohn, who I still believe to this day is one of the, the greatest voices you could ever listen to. And, Pete, what I did, I actually had the play speed at two times, not one time. So I was actually – he didn't quite sound like a chipmunk, but what he was doing was he was giving all these gems at – so a four-hour flight to Perth, I actually had the better part of eight hours of Jim Rohn in my – headset. Um, I think that's a greater use of my time. That's a better choice management of my time, time management than seeing on a plane angry and frustrated because there's no entertainment. But the fascinating part about that story is about the gentleman that you were sitting next to. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, no, he was, uh, first and foremost, he was absolutely gutted with the fact that he wasn't on a Qantas flight with, you know, full list of movies. To, he, he wanted to escape over this four hours. I wanted to be educated over the four hours. And he spent Good the first distinction. hour of that. Yeah, and he wanted this first hour of the flight, Pete. He just wanted everybody to know that he felt dissed by Qantas because he wasn't on a Qantas flight. I'm just thinking, you know, man, we, we, you know, things work out best for those that make the best of how things work out. So, you know, my view is you're still going to get to Perth, uh, just a different carriage is still getting you to the same sort of destination. And, you know, let's make some better choice management decisions about how we're going to do it. So, and, and uh, one of the things I did too, because the Qantas let us know that this was happening the night before, so it's not like this was a shock. So I grabbed a brand new journal. And I just redid about 25 pages of Jim Rohn notes for that, over that period of that flight. I'm just going, now, does that make me a better person for reinforcing old fundamentals? The answer is, of course, but it all started with a choice. And, you know, I think it was, you know, Bob Wolf who said a few weeks back, Pete, you know, for things to change first, we must change. And that was the Jim Rohn quote. And I must have heard that probably three or four times yesterday. At double the speed, anyone who's ever listened to Jim Rohn live knows that he's got a very interesting, distinctive voice anyway. Try listening to it at twice the speed. You'll be amazed what you find out. A really good tip to, to probably for those who listen to audio programs. Yeah, that's a, that's a ripping tip. There's a guy that I work with as well who loves to listen to the audio whilst reading as well. Uh, reading a book, he actually he does both and then and then puts it on three times. Um, whatever way gets you through it then then do it because um that's some some really really cool advice really well, I'm just cool trying to, i'm just trying to make time you know i don't think you can save it but i think you can make it you know if i yep. get through a, a four-hour book in uh two hours because i've doubled the speed i've got the same content that's going to be a great exchange of time doesn't it mm, absolutely that's brilliant look last thing i wanted to just talk about uh, today on on this podcast is is really and I spoke about this Rick during the week is and versus all strategies. A lot of a lot of people are are, are moving more towards in 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 tighter markets and so forth. Um, we've got to we've got to come from that position of abundance rather than scarcity. So we've got to look to what can we be doing to add more and add more and do more and be more. So you know because the market shifted. There's no doubt about that. So when the market shifts, motivation shifts, and what people respond to shifts. So we've got to get really clear and, 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 and ask more questions with the clients because it used to be motivation was really simple a few years ago. It was like, wow, how much more money can I make on my home? Yeah. On, yeah, in the sure. eastern, on the eastern seaboard, that is, you know, it's like, oh, am I going to make a yeah. million bucks? Am I going to make two million bucks? Whatever yeah, it may yeah. be. So, so motivation was really simple. So yeah. I think one thing probably agents have been potentially a little guilty of is, is if they've had a bit of an easy street in terms of not needing to ask as many questions in order to, to, to delve into what's really going on in a vendor's life. Other than I just want to make a shitload of money. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so now people are responding to differently and they're actually saying, well, how do I actually, how can I sell faster? The days on market are out and the, the clearance rates are really low. Um, you know, what if I don't sell? I mean, imagine that question three years ago. What if I don't sell? I was like, are you kidding? You know, clear, clearance rates in Sydney and Melbourne were like 90 something percent. You know, you'd have to be crazy to think you wouldn't be, you're not going to sell. So, so motivation is well and truly shifting. So we've got to be, uh, increase our, 
uh, listing skills and our questioning techniques to ins- ensure that we're dealing with motivated uh, clients. Otherwise, our time is going to be absolutely sucked away from us. And we need to be ruthless with our time and spending time with people who absolutely desire a result. And the again, Jim Rohn talks about you know, majors and minors. You can't spend major time with minor prospects, but you've got to spend major time with major prospects. And the only way you'll know whether you're dealing with a major or a minor prospect is to ask better questions. Yeah. And the, and the last point I'll make on this one is around um, prospecting and marketing. It's like a lot of people now are going, I need to do increase my social uh, footprint, um, Facebook ads and do some videos and do all that sort of stuff, which is absolutely so cool, absolutely brilliant. Let me tell you the secret to this market in my belief though, Rick. Yep. Belly to belly, eyeball to yep. eyeball, <laughs> private appointments. Yep. That's yep. what's going to get deals done. That's what's going to get engagement um, with clients, engagement with your potential sellers, um, you know, to, to help them understand the marketplace, but more particularly engagement with buyers to get them to make a decision. That's Absolutely. what you're paid to do. So it's not a reliance upon marketing to do all this sort of stuff. It's the prospecting side of things as well. That's, so that's not an, an or I'm going to do marketing or maybe I'll do a bit. No, you'll do prospecting and you'll do marketing. And that's it. Yeah, great distinction. And or is it's not and or is. We'll do that and the other, which is you know, very, very true, mate. That's a great distinction. I, I think we've covered a fair bit today. Um, in particular, it's it's really nice to to share some of the things we've been hearing. I've got to say, the other thing, Rick, is we're we're, we're not out there, and I'm, I'm I certainly have drilled into my team. No, I haven't drilled into my team here. I'm certainly you know sharing with with my team, and certainly from the stage when I speak as well. Is you know just just have a just be grateful of where where you're at right now. Um, not good, not bad, just is. Now we work in we're lucky enough to work in one of the greatest industries there are, and I know there's a lot of people here that are uh, listening who aren't in real estate, and, and there's some great industries out there that you're working. But I don't think we need to be telling people that you're too fat, you're too ugly, um, you're too lazy, whatever it may be. <laughs> yep. It's it's about you are where you are. Be grateful about where you're at. Let's help each other get to be the very best of who we want to be. I reckon that's a great message, Pat. I mean, you know, I if you saw the the car parks at some of these venues that we were speaking at, both you and I together, and then when we went off doing other sort of events, you know, it's really I, – I did catch myself thinking, you know, isn't this interesting that we are coming to an event to see how we can get better at what we do, and I look at the car park and there's, you know, European badges on vehicles and, you know, people dressed smart and in really good attire with all the – you know, smartphones and all the mod cons. And I'm thinking, you know, someone in a third world country would be going, are these guys for real? Like, we'd be happy with just a roof over our head. And so I'm not, all, all I'm saying is we've got to be thankful with what we have while we search for what we want and look for the improvements, but just never miss that opportunity to show a bit of gratitude. Love it, love it. And I want to close with a quote from Tina Fey, and it was that last slide you spoke of with the water slide. You can't be that kid standing at the top of the water slide overthinking it. You got to go down the chute. You got to go down the chute. So my dive in. Of yours, my, <laughs> favorite, my favorite slide, and you had a lot up there, but it was really. And just in closing, for my to, to say this to our listening audience, you know, you are someone who I've just um, you know enjoyed collaborating with for the better part of twenty five years, and I've watched some of your early speeches, and I've watched some of your early presentations, and I'm watching you. You, know, you are somebody who's at the absolute high end now of what you do. Your ability to you know, message ideas, 
bring it through with currency. It's um, it's uh, I generally took a lot of notes, and I I said that to you, you know, personally on the day. But yeah, mate, I've got to say that you know this sort of stuff we're doing now just reinforces. This is exciting, isn't it? We get to share the concepts that we are so passionate about, and the good news is. As we, as we keep on resharing it, we get to relearn it too. So it's really quite fundamentally yeah, so important true. for our listeners to hear that, you know, as you're sort of presenting from the stage, I'm hearing you refine the lessons that you've, you know, made a career out of. And so uh, it's been a real gift. And, and that's why it's really not a big issue for me to try and connect in with you back at home base. Is, is this, do we have um, – is, 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 is my OJ there? Is there an <laughs> orange juice there? Uh, is there, I, I just are there trees and crackers? Because I'd want to know that you're not eating them without me there. I feel like you'd be cheating on me if you are. Yeah, my wife's pretty good at that, preparing the cheese and crackers and so she forth. Does, but, uh, our but, catering is by Emma Kakos, a beautiful Emma Kakos <laughs> in, in our, in, at, at home base. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm sort of you know maybe missing out on something. But, uh, yeah, it's quite it is quite lonely here without you. But I, I've got to say for the listeners, you, you've got to try um, a glass of half orange juice. There we go. Half this mineral water, good. half bubbly water, half orange juice. Do it. That's it. Do yourself yeah. a favour. Can I just say, uh, I'm a, I was a little bit sceptical, I'll be honest, when I saw you make, making that, and I uh, thought, what's this all about? But if you uh, if you go to my fridge now, mate, at home, there's freshly squeezed orange juice with slight bubbles, mineral water, with a bit of flavouring in the mineral water too. It gives it a real fruity cocktail. <laughs> it's what it's all about, my friend. It's what it's all about. But uh, again, mate, thanks again for this last week. I've enjoyed listening to you present from the stage. I've enjoyed sort of our collaboration here and... Uh, God knows where we'll be next week. We'll be on location somewhere potentially. But uh, again, as you started off rightly saying, this is our commitment. So it's not a, it's, it is a choice for us to do. We want to do it. We're happy to do it. And we'll do whatever it takes to deliver it on a weekly basis. Brilliant, mate. Safe travels and uh, speak to you next week. Thank you, buddy. We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. If you're keen to enhance the quality of your life even further in the future, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source. Our website is voicesofvaluepodcast.com. And we welcome both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way. Hold up.